Welcome to another installation of the House 94 Podcast. Greetings. Well, um, it's a nighttime episode and uh, the sun's not out. It's a sad day in Wakanda. Uh, I know I jokingly refer to Hyde Park as Wakanda, and that's because after living in Streeterville, which is a much more affluent white area, I moved into Hyde Park, and it's a, a really uh, a more diverse, much, much uh, more urban area and it reminds me of what Wakanda must have been like and you got the downtown skyline and the lake and all that so that's why I jokingly refer to it as Wakanda but all jokes aside this is not a joking night because we just had a major loss um, in the black community we lost one of our we lost two actual giants uh, one who had lived a full life John Thompson who's a coach of Georgetown and anybody our age grew up loving the Hoyas. Uh, no matter where you were from, that was probably the first time you ever saw a team of black guys with a black coach uh, reach that level of success. Uh, so we lost John Thompson today. He put a lot of great, great players in the NBA, gave a lot of, uh, a lot of guys great careers and college education from a wonderful school. Uh, so we lost him. And then we also lost uh, Chadwick Bozeman, who was, um, he was like a real life superhero. And, um, you know, Chadwick Boseman obviously was the lead character in Black Panther, where he played a real superhero. But he also played Jackie Robinson, Thurgood Marshall. He played James Brown. And he had, a, you know, several other uh, iconic roles. And uh, he was a, a real champion in our community and a titan in the, in the entertainment industry. So we just want to today kind of talk about the death of those brothers and, um, and the impact it has on the community. And we're also going to talk a little bit about you know, death and how it has impacted our lives and, uh, you know, kind of talk about some of the things we've done to cope and uh, some of the issues that we've had to deal with and uh, some deaths of some loved ones in our lives. So, um, you know, to kick off, let's talk about, you know, first of all, going through talking about what uh, Chadwick Bozeman and uh, and John Thompson meant to you guys. Cool. Kick us off. Man, two, two, two giants, man. I remember, um, think about John Thompson, man. I mean, the, the main thing that comes to my mind is Allen Iverson. I mean, uh, I, I remember today I watched the uh, his Hall of Fame speech, and he said John Thompson saved his life. And, um, I mean, that's just strong. And you, you can talk with Pat Ewing, so many guys uh, that he helped. And then with Mr. Bozeman, I mean, Black Panther, man. It doesn't get no better than that, man. The, the guy was such a wonderful soul. Uh, I saw his commencement speech at Howard. I mean, just just all 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 around great America. Chuck, jump in. I totally agree with uh, Cool. I mean, I mean, I grew up just like every you know on the West Coast in Oakland. Thought Georgetown was an all black school, you know. <laughs> and uh, I, you know, I, I remember the day I bought my first pair of Jordans. It was Georgetown colors that Georgetown wore and uh I was just like I I killed two birds with one stone you know had me some Jordans and I got Georgetown Hoya colors uh had the Patrick Hewing jersey it's it was it was it was it was sad you know you know it was a lot of this it's just reminding me just like you know fuck 2020 man it's it's a we got some it's a lot that we have to swallow, but we're going to keep it moving. Uh, with Chadwick Boseman, um, again, you know, that was a powerful brother. 
it was a it was it was really emotional but i'm so happy for him that he had accomplished so much at a young age uh gave back uh was had great spirit and it was you know for a black man to represent us like that is just awesome and he definitely left a legacy definitely that's what's up lou bingham what's up you look pensive man give us something um 2020's been a rough one brothers uh, i'll start with john thompson someone alluded to it already uh any any anyone in our generation anyone around our age watched uh, john thompson in the 80s uh, as one of the only black coaches, only another one that I can think of that immediately comes to my mind is uh, Cheney. But Thompson being six, six foot four, six foot five, whatever, um, and a large man was imposing and uh, wielded his size, made his presence known, and on top of that was very uh, pro-black unapologetically black, recruited black students, Patrick Ewing, uh, Matumbo, Alonzo, AI, Sleepy Floyd, Hall of Famers, all all all-stars. I remember back in, uh, what was it, 86, I believe, or 89, Prop 48 um, had passed a few years before. And John Thompson was in opposition of it. And he walked off, uh, off the court versus game versus Boston College and his opposition of it. Legend, a, a legend, man. He um, won a, a NCAA championship, coached Olympic teams as an assistant and as a head coach. And uh, his players were, are loyal. Someone alluded to earlier, AI in his acceptance speech in um, the Hall of Fame broke down in tears. We saw Patrick Ewing and Alonzo through the years give uh, John Thompson his props. Truly a legend. And then uh, we also lost Bozeman, who was the uh, title figure in uh, the Black Panther and uh, played the role as, as if he were really regal. Um, this is after he played other roles important in our community as uh, Thurgood Marshall, James Brown, uh, Jackie Robinson. And, and to learn that he was fighting this battle for the last four years, and still making movies and keeping it to himself, fighting, lends to the hero. He was truly a hero playing a superhero. I took my son to see the Black Panther and my daughter uh, when it came out. And uh, it's the first time that on screen you saw a a Black uh, hero um, who didn't come from um, some downtrodden um, background and um, played it to a t- uh, truly heroic. We lost a, We lost a great one there. Personally, know someone who knew him. And before uh, Chadwick died, he was singing his praises about how um, he was one of the best people he ever met. Um, he's not one to uh, sing praises like that. JT, pick it up. Yeah, I, I think, you know, Lou said it really well about John Thompson, you know, because he turned Georgetown into what they call Hoya Paranoia powerhouse and became really the first black coach to lead a team for the NCAA men's basketball championship. Um, and I actually think he was 6'10", Ruby. Um, so even more of an imposing figure. Yeah, and, and 
you know, mm-hmm. one of the things that he was known for besides, you know, taking his team to the NCAA tournaments, 14 straight uh, appearances was that he uh, publicly came out against uh, NCAA rule where, you know, you had certain cutoff requirements and you were denied athletic scholarship to freshmen who didn't meet certain requirements. Yeah. And, and, and that was really yeah. a biased uh, proposition against people of color. Sometimes people who look like us are the ones giving us these second chances. I think he was important in that regard. And for, for Chadwick Bozeman, you know, to, to kind of harp on what everyone else said is that, you know, he, he played a figure larger than life and gave meaning to the black superhero, which was devoid from, you know, where we've seen Marvel and other cinematic features. Um, and, and, and what I found was, was particularly heartache was that Michael B. Jordan, you know, was has taken it, you know, fairly bad in terms of Chadwick. And then what my, my, my last point of that is that, you know, to suffer like that um, in silence, um, it definitely speaks volumes about his character. But at the same time, you know, do we internalize too much, right? Because we don't want to seem as if we're weak if we have a disease or an affliction as a black man, even in the United States, to say, well, you know, well, I'm going to keep that to myself because that makes me look weak. Um, hopefully it wasn't that with, with Chadwick, but, you know, I, I definitely wish, uh, wish him rest in power. Hey, you know, John Thompson's impact to me, yeah, I, I feel like I got a chance to see it firsthand growing up here in D.C. And, you know, he was like a father figure, even for those who never came in contact with him. Uh, he's such a large presence, you know, I mean – we alluded to him being 6'10", but he was larger than that physical stature. Uh, he was a positive role model in the community, native Washingtonian. And it's amazing how you can start off as a, you know, he was known before Georgetown as a high school coach here uh, who plucked talent here in D.C., and, and form that, those Georgetown Hoya teams that we're referring to that uh, won the national championship and, and had all those runs in the NCAA tournaments. And he, and he, he saw talent here and, and picked it and, and then groomed those gentlemen and young men into uh, men of the community that, that did well, that served the community well. Uh, one of my good buddies that I work with professionally actually played for Coach Thompson, and uh, I touched base with him today. And I could just tell, even though he wasn't one of his star players, right, this is somebody from one of his earlier classes of of, of kids uh, who, you know, didn't make it to the NBA, yet he still revered and respected Thompson uh, like any of his greater players, like a Patrick or Alonzo or Iverson. So, uh, you know, it's amazing, again, when you think about his impact. I know on myself, I could think on others. And even like we kind of said in our text, even nationally, because he was so big that people thought Georgetown was a was a HBCU. <laughs> you know, I mean, yeah. that's, that's kind of funny when you think about it, what kind of presence he had. So, uh, you know, God, God, God bless him. Uh, may he rest in power and in peace. I thank him for the influence he's had on me. 
and for other na native Washingtonians and for young black men and black women, um, you know, across the board, because I actually know some classmates as well who played basketball in high school who were uh, positively impacted by John Thompson as well. So big ups to Big John. That's what's up. Let's run out the Merlin crew. Jay Crump, come on in. Yeah, real quickly, because everybody stated what uh, is, you know, essentially what my thoughts are. And like uh, the man Quasey said, is that growing up in D.C., man, uh, as far as John Thompson goes, I mean, you know, we, we grew up here just, you know, realizing him, um, especially because of the fact he's a D.C. guy. You know, if during the time he was at Georgetown, he recruited uh, his recruits mainly came from the D.C., Maryland area uh, in the beginning. Um, and so, you know, uh, and you could see him and the guys that played for Georgetown. You could see them at the basketball parks in the city. Um, and I just remember just being young, man, just, you know, I would always try to uh, get some Georgetown paraphernalia with some Georgetown basketball, take it down to see my family. When I went to go uh, visit my family in Texas, I would always come down there rocking the Georgetown stuff, the sweatshirt or, or you know, sweatpants or whatever. And everybody be like, man, where'd you get that stuff at, man? Where, where'd you get that Georgetown gear at? And, you know, it almost gave me an end with the ladies at like 11, 12, 13 years old because they were like, oh, man. I wish I could have get something like that, you know? And so, uh, but yeah, man, that Georgetown was, was, was the thing, man. Just thinking about those guys from the early days, man, Michael Grammer and Eric Floyd and all those guys, man. And I just remember crying uh, when they lost at Villanova in the 1985 championship. I remember being in like fifth grade and literally to tears yeah. when they lost. Um, Sick. Back at some point and they just never could turn the corner. So, uh, but John Thompson, man, rest in peace, man. I love that dude. And, you know, something to say for all the guys that he brought up, because toward the end of his career, he um, he stopped really getting the top players. You know, he was more about graduation rates than getting like the top players. And, you know, and so, you know, and, and so he has to be recommended uh, or commended. And so um, Chadwick, he died far too soon. You guys touched upon the fact that, you know, his strength is just, I mean, goes without saying the fact that he during the times that he was producing or acting in these movies, Black Panther, uh, even the, the latest uh, Spike Lee uh, flick that he was in, and uh, 21 Bridges, he had cancer. And just think of the strength that he had to have just to get up every day, memorize his lines and to do the action scenes or whatever, man. That just, it's just, it's, it's something, man. And uh, lastly, it's just, you know, I remember when uh, I got the news, I guess that was Saturday night, and uh, my youngest daughter, She's coming downstairs and she's she's a, she's almost in tears. You know, she's like, "Y'all heard the news?" Because she heard us talking about it, and um, she heard the news and she just started kind of sniffing. She, she's about to cry, but we wouldn't let her. We tried to change the subject on her so she wouldn't cry, man. But I could see how it hurt her, you know. And uh, you know, so he he affected on the young folks, man. He was the he was the real superhero. I just gosh wish that he could have uh, you know lived longer. Yeah, man. The thing about Chadwick Boseman, you know, a couple of things. One, he passed away at 43. And, you know, we were all 47, 48, 49. But it just really helps to crystallize our mortality. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. I know Lou, you know, was going through his situation, which is, 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 you know, the same kind of thing. But, man, when you hear this man at 43 years old, passed away, it's like, Young man, and like I don't, I don't feel old. You know what I'm saying? I feel like you know, I'm probably my life, and uh, 
it just it just kind of deepens the tragedy. But the other thing it does, and Chuck, I got to commend you on this in terms of uh, Happy Physical Day. It really crystallizes that point again that you have to take care of yourself, man. And as educated people that have um, health insurance, you have no reason not to continue to get checked out. I'm not saying that he didn't. I think his situation was just just an unfortunate circumstance. Because what I understand from my doctor friends, if you get diagnosed with cancer in your 30s, it's a bad, oftentimes a bad situation because your metabolism can supercharge the spread of the cancer. So a lot of times it ain't really something that could have been caught or, or fixed. But in our age, shit, we all got polyps. You know what I'm saying? You go get a colonoscopy, they don't find a polyp. And the thing about it is you, get it, you catch it now, they just knock it out while you're in there. You wait till you're 62, you can walk around with that bag. So, um, you know, there'll be something to think about. But let's, uh, let's twist gears a little bit. I mean, you know, it's uh, still kind of a somber tone we got going on right now. But uh, I want to talk a little bit about some of the times we've dealt with, you know, um, loss in our own lives and, you know, how we dealt with it and, um, and kind of tell those stories. Cool. You want to kick it off? Talk about truth? Yeah. You know, as, um, you know, guys, my mom died when I was 33. And uh, it was tra- it was traumatic for me, and you know, as as, as a black man in America, uh, it's in general, you know, you always try to be tough. You kind of have this thing; you have to be tough. You know what I mean? Got to got to kind of really show no emotions. But it kind of sent me in like a tailspin for probably about five years because of, of not really knowing how to how to deal with that. You know, I was I started drinking all the time. And um, and one of the reasons I think I started doing that was, you know, we go to school, we go to Morehouse, and uh, you know, you're trying to, you know, you know, have the the American dream, you know, get a job or get a business, and you you get you get certain things. You hey, I'm successful. This is going to kind of fulfill me, and that's when it kind of really hit hit me and in the face like a ton of bricks, like things, money really don't you know define your happiness. And it goes back to how we talk about now, how we had such an amazing time in college with very little money. You know what I mean? Just, you know, so, you know what I mean? Just think about this. So things, material things, money, those things that make it happen is really about family and just, you know, just friends. And so that tells me, like I said, last about five years of doing that, that those, 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 those emotions, depression, you know what I mean? And all those things that, you know, that I kind of did when I turned. And then finally, years later, I did, you know, Talk, you know, started. I got help for it and talked to someone about it, but it was it was, it was traumatic, man. It was very traumatic, man, and just really just kind of life changing. Kind of put a lot of things kind of in perspective for me. What's really important? Yeah, Lou B, talk about your pops. I remember that funeral. Yeah, um, the roughest thing I've ever gone through in my life by far um, was losing my father, um, and. Um, it was unexpected. Uh, he had a series of uh, heart attacks, and it was the final one that took him out. So, uh, you know, after the first couple, I, I um, started spending as much time with him as I could. But when the call came that uh, he had passed, I was unprepared um, mentally for it. And uh, the call Michael was saying, I have two younger sisters and, and, and my mother survived my father and uh, my father had, uh, in his own way prepared me for what would happen if he if he passed and still I was unprepared um, he was like my best friend 
And um, one of the mistakes I, I, I had that uh, that I that I did that I I talked to people who experienced the loss of a of a parent is you need to talk to somebody about it. Um, I I held a lot of that in and tried to play the role of the shepherd for my my uh, family. Um, and was internalizing a lot of that pain and, and went into depression that I, I look back on it now was clearly depression. Speak to someone about it if you can and um, don't try to shoulder everything on yourself. That's, uh, that's, uh, that's, that's my experience. Honestly, mine is more recent because uh, my parents passed away in 2017. So uh, my mother had been in poor health, not bad health, but poor health. For the last several years, she couldn't really move around a lot. And she was usually sitting at the kitchen table. And uh, my dad was her caregiver. And my parents were like best friends in a lifelong love affair. So they spent all their time together. So, you know, unlike me, where I'm always traveling and, you know, different hotels and, you know, flying all over the fucking place all the time. My dad was at home every single night. You know what I'm saying? He was with my mom. They were together all the time. So... He took care of her, man, with her hand and foot. You know what I'm saying? And he got diagnosed with pancreatic cancer, I guess, toward the beginning of 2017. And um, shit, man, he checked out six months later. You know what I'm saying? He checked out in May. Five months. He checked out in May. Um, and, you know, we thought he was going to have surgery or whatever. That shit wasn't going to work. And he kept getting weaker and losing weight and shit. And shit, he checked out. So at that point, my mother was there. And that was tough. I mean, you know, losing your dad is, is definitely tough as a man. But, you know, you, you kind of prepared to, to, to take it over. You know what I'm saying? I got my own family, so I got to look after my family. He prepared me to do that, so it's good. And then, shit, come Christmas time, and we used to always go spend Christmas in Memphis, we decided for the first time, shit, since we've been married, we were going to Disney World for Christmas. And uh, I never forget, we go down there for Christmas. We weren't in Memphis, and we were to go down to Memphis for New Year's. I call uh, my mom the day before. She's all excited about me coming. And then, shit, we got on the road the next day, driving down. My sister called, and she told us that my mom had passed away. I was like, fuck, right? You know, so I missed her. But then she passed away on New Year's Eve. And, um, you know, I can't be mad. You know what I'm saying? She died with a smile on her face. Um, it was one of those conditions of the heart kind of things. It was natural causes. She probably just missed her husband. Yeah, you know, I, I didn't lose a, a parent per se, but I did lose an in-law, um, my mother-in-law, who, you know, treated me like a son. And, you know, I've been married for 20 plus years. And so I spent a lot of time with her, you know, and her household and her raising me even to become a man as part of my marriage to her daughter. And it was tough because she suffered from dementia. And so that's a very... Oh, mentally disabling disease and you see the person go through it and you know you have these stages and it became very severe toward the end and you know she stayed with us for quite some time and just to kind of see up close and personal what dementia does and at, at a certain point she didn't even know like my name you know someone who I spent a lot of years with and, and going through that where she didn't even know who I was the man of the house and, and that's how she referred to me um, and so that was a, tr a tragic way in terms of, you know, seeing someone go through this process. Um, but I think, you know, from, from a death perspective, I, I don't know if you ever get, get over it. You know, it's just that you find ways to cope. Um, and, you know, it's been particularly tough, especially with my wife, 
um, you know, losing both of her parents. Um, I still have both my parents, but didn't going through that experience, um, you know, I, I, to lose point, I don't think you ever prepared the, even the fact that she was going through dementia. So it's, it, and I think you're, I think you're right. Cole, Michael, like if you want, and then same thing for, for you, Lou, if you want, you should talk to someone to figure out how do you cope with those depression moods and, and how you're feeling. Um, you know, we'd like to self-medicate with alcohol and other substances, which, you know, doesn't fill the, fill the void. Um, but, but it is an experience that, you know, I don't think you ever get over. It's just that how do you cope with it? Yeah. Um, how, um, what's today's date? The second or the first? First tomorrow. So in, in a couple of weeks, it'll be 20 years since my father died. And um, there's a saying, uh, time heals all uh, wounds. Fucking bullshit. Uh, um, what you learn is how to cope with it. Uh, but the wound doesn't heal. You just learn how to cope with that wound. Um, you know, I, I want before we move on, I wanted to shout out a couple of people like uh, James and Cole Michaels. Um, when my father died, they knew my father well. Um, and they were by my side in a few That's days once, once I told them what, what, what happened. But, um, you know, it's something that you learn to deal with. But, yeah, you, you don't get over it. No, nah, it's definitely not something that it's easy to get over. You know what I'm saying? Um, not at all. But, um, James, you were just talking about uh, the mother-in-law and, you know, you mentioned that she had dementia, and it's one of those things. It's kind of a slow burn, you know what I'm saying? Doesn't happen suddenly, but it's one of those like slow decline kind of things. And it kind of leads us to another uh, point of discussion where you talk about, you know, at our age, you know, we could get the, those of us that still have our parents could get the call at any time, um, and you know, you never really prepare for that. But um, even before that, though, a lot of times you can start to see their decline, and that's that also creates some some challenges. Crumb, won't you pick it up and talk to us about the, uh, the the child becoming a parent and the parent becoming a child? Yeah, so you know, I um, I guess you know, I always looked at uh, you know, both my parents have always you know, in my particular case, have, have has had their health. They've been relatively healthy um, throughout my my life, uh, and so, but it wasn't until really this whole pandemic when they were um, we I required that they actually moving to the house with me and my family because I didn't want to have to go all the way across town to check on them all the time. And so when I moved them into my house, of course, you know, we gave them their bedrooms or what have you. Um, and the thing was, is that I just started to notice for the first time, I really started to notice um, kind of their, you know, I guess the, their, their, their decrease, uh, I, I guess their mental capacities starting to decrease. Um, not so much for my, you know, she, although she was, she had been in my house actually prior to the pandemic covering from back surgery. She's always been active doing yoga and running and stuff like that. But with my dad, who's somebody who's always been like a, a, a go-getter and out on the town. And he was just one of those dudes that was always out. I could start to see that certain things were not necessarily the same. Um, you know, the things that he would talk about. And so um, essentially, man, it, it took it took getting used to. I'm able to take care of them. 
Um, but it seems as though like even the simple stuff like, uh, you know, making sure they are to have taken care of their estate plan and doing the things necessary, I have to look over. Um, I have to make sure that, you know, my dad has done A, B, and C, and in which case, you know, you know, he was always the one looking after me. And now I'm the one talking to him, making sure that his stuff is in order. And it's like, wait, hold up, man. You know, how did I get to this point? You know what I'm saying? So the roles have reversed. Don't you always look at your parents as these people up here. It doesn't matter how old you get. They're always on a different level than you. And so now, you know, I'm in a situation where I'm like, man, the roles are reversed. And I'm telling my parents what they need to be doing. I'm telling my dad, look, you need to you know, make sure these affairs are in order. And he's as stubborn as hell. So I'm like, God damn, can you, you know, can you listen to me? I know I'm, you know, I'm, I'm your son. You always be my father, but I, I do know what I'm talking about. You know what I'm saying? Like, you know, you did raise somebody well, you know? And so just, you know, with the, the, the decreased capacity and not to say that he's, you know, in bad shape or anything, because he's not, but you just see the slow, just kind of the slow decline where he's not the active person that he once was. And part of that was because of the pandemic and had everybody in the house and you just kind of just sitting there. But, you know, I wanted him to do A, B, and C while he was there to take advantage of, you know, the kind of the lull and movement that's going on. And he just wouldn't do it. You know, he wouldn't do the things that I thought were necessary. He can get done while we have this uh, pandemic going on. So it's just weird, man. Luckily, I, you know, I um, have not had, and, you know, knock on wood, you know, I, I don't get that call. But luckily, they have had their health uh, for the most part. But, um, you know, it's just, it is just become worrisome because you feel like, you know, given my age, that time is, is, is coming, it's inevitable. And it's like, man, you guys, have gone through it for the last 15, 20 years. I mean, KB, it's only been a couple of years, but, you know, I got to be strong now for my family and be strong for taking care of them. So it, it just seems like, damn, I don't, I'm just wondering to myself whether or not I'll be able to do it. You know, if something happened, then am I, am I going to be able to step up to the plate and, and make sure I get these things done and take care of the affairs that need to take care of? Those of you who still have your parents out there, you know, um, I mean, even to this, I mean, it's been new for me. So, you know, it's not obviously not as long as cool and, uh, and Lou, but there were certain times I would call my mother, you know what I'm saying? And just, you know, like if I had a, a road trip, if I was stuck in the airport or something, but just kind of when I got to the hotel bar sometimes, I'd sit down and she'd be like, what you drinking? You know, when we would just talk. And I find myself like sometimes reach for the phone and be like, oh, shit, you can't do that. And it's shit, it, it, it's, it's painful. You know what I'm saying? It's some shit you gotta, that you gotta go through. And I try to reach out to my sister, you know what I'm saying? It's, we fill a void for each other in that regard. But um, yeah, man, it's nothing like losing your parents. This shit is, uh, it's deep. You know yeah. what I'm saying? Anybody got anything else to add on that? Yeah, I was just saying there's, there's a word for it. Uh, it's called the sandwich generation because you're dealing with an aging, an elderly parent who's reverting and also you're raising kill, kids of your, of your own. And that can throw us into like multiple versions of ourselves, right? We feel like an infant, a child, a parent, all at the same time. But, you know, it really requires us to really like step up and, you know, be an adult, um, especially when our parents are ill and elderly and, you know, having to manage a number of these, you know, contradictory feelings and identities that we're going through. But it's not easy. Uh, 
Yeah, my mother and father are still alive. Uh, my father, but he's remarried. Uh, so, you know, he has his situation. So it's not really that difficult with him. But my mother, she moved out here. And uh, it, it it's, it's a little difficult because it's this one entitlement. You know, they're 70. She's 71 years old. And it's this entitlement, like, um, I, I, I did my work. I put in work. I got stripes, you know, bow down. So, and then you want them to have that dignity and, and you, you, but you, I, what I've realized is that it's falling back and communicating a different way to not, to still give them that respect, uh, to focus on the stuff that they love to do. My mother loves to cook. So I'm always, uh, you know, hey, you know, can you show me how to cook this? There's different meals and stuff that I can do at the house. So to give her that leadership type of role, it helps. Uh, she loves to uh, shop for my daughter. So, you know, I let her, hey, you know what? You go ahead and have that shop day. I'm going to step back. You do the shop day. And she does that. Uh, so it's, you know, you, 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 you just figure out different ways, strategies that will work. And uh, it's, it's starting to be a lot better now uh, than it was before because it was real frustrating. And it's, and I hear you guys, one of the things that you guys consistently say about coping with death, it, that's, that's, and Lou, you say something real important. You, you don't really forget. It's, it's just you cope. And, uh, you know, and we all remember uh the year in 08, 2008, when Shakira passed away and he took his life, oh, you know, and I had to really, really cope with that because my grandmother died, like, my grandmother died 30, like, exactly 30 days after he died. And it was crazy when um, I was still dealing with Shakira's death and uh, because it was, it, it, it was like, and I never really shared the story with a lot of people. You know, the, it was a week before he died. And uh, uh, we always, we were planning uh, trick-or-treating because that's something that we did with our kids. We took our kids trick-or-treating together. And we talked. He was in New York. And we talked for like two, about two or three hours. It was about a little between, yeah, about two or three hours. And, and I just stayed, stopped out of the blue. I was just like, dude, wait, what you doing? It's, it's a Saturday night. Why, why you ain't out? It's New York. He's like, man, you know, I'm just, I was just chopping it up because he was just asking me questions about he was about to, you know, propose to his girl. And I was just like, you know, schooling him a little bit. But I didn't really, it was crazy, dude. He was by himself in his apartment. And that's this was unheard of, dude. Uh -huh. Been talking to this dude for years, and he never was by himself. And uh, and I didn't pay attention to the signs. And it's so glad that we come together and we talk, we 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 greet each other, we respect one another. And uh, and, and every once in a while, we tell each other, "Man, I love you, bro. Love you guys." And that's good. And the the thing that I, that hurts me the most, I didn't get a chance to tell him I love him. And uh, and, but it it was painful, and I was making a joke about you at home, you ain't out kicking it. But he was 
he was, I believe he was trying to tell me it was something, dude, I'm not, I'm, I'm not feeling right. But he was embarrassed because this is a brother that's always winning. And a lot of us, we don't want to lose. We don't want to lose. and We can't handle losing. We all want to win. We want the last word. So with that said, I mean, the coping, you're right. We don't, you, you're right, Lou. You just got to cope. It ain't something that you just put up under the bridge. And, um, and I took a whole nother approach to friendship and what I got to deal with with my mother. I'm embracing it. I love it. And it's going to be a process every single day. And I'm going to bring out the beauty out of it. So, because uh, she, she ain't got that much time. And you guys, you guys have been through it. And we got to just, it, it could be frustrating. It is frustrating sometimes, but got to put that shit aside and just mm -hmm. embrace that beauty and just take another way to handle it. Because I love my mother. Yeah. Love her to death. Boy, boy, you was about to chime in. That was deep, Chuck. Man, shit, man. Wow. Yeah, it was. Yeah, I was going to say, uh, as all of us, you know, I, I guess I have a unique story in that. When it comes to death, I haven't had to deal with it much. I mean, the reality for me is my father died before I was born, so I didn't obviously have a relationship with him. I know his side of the family, and then I didn't experience death until my grandmother passed, which uh, ironically, she had a stroke the night I went over. And so crossing for me was a bittersweet, peace into Omega because she died the next day. Mm. Uh, the interesting thing, though, again, that's a limited exposure to death, right? And so I've been blessed in that um, my mother's alive and, and my stepfather uh, is alive. And so, you know, so those are my parents, obviously, and I deal with life with them. And, and so they've been married 30 plus years and, and you go through seeing what that level of marriage and parenting looks like and and so i'm telling you all that background because i laughed at a couple of things that were shared when you talk about now the child parenting the parents and 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 and, and so there are things that as an adult we try to impress upon our parents to do uh, stay on top of and i know there are times i find myself frustrated because I'm like mom I'm used to you getting this concept or understanding this or understanding that and and you dealing with these parents who uh at this juncture are real stubborn <laughs> you know it kind of makes you laugh about it right uh but it's funny because the stubbornness I feel like I encounter is all a part of the upbringing from those parents who made us strong you know and and it's their uh strength in having raised us to be young, strong, black, articulate men who uh, have obviously learned from the good and the bad from our parents uh, uh, rearing to our own life's experiences and the things that we want to do in terms of taking care of our parents now that uh, for all of his challenges makes it funny too. So like, you know, again, something as simple as like Chuck was saying, letting his mother 
uh, take his daughter to the store, like, you know, what Crump was just saying about, you know, things with his mother and father, you know, letting them do when you got to get used to doing it at this stage. You know, you, you, you want to give your parents the room to, to still be them in their old age because, quite frankly, they've earned it. At the same time, we as the children, now the adults who have to take care of our parents, uh, we have to do the rearing now and bring them in. And uh, it's a challenge. It's fun. Uh, I'm glad and blessed to to still be in a position to do it. And and so you know when I hear like Lou who lost his parents and Carl B, you I mean I'm sorry Lou who lost your father and Carl uh, who lost your parents. Uh, I definitely appreciate those times that I still have with them now. And so uh, I thank you all for sharing that experience because again I haven't had a whole lot of immediate experience with death and um uh, you know it, it makes me want to continue to appreciate the time i have with my parents more so thank you yeah that's what's up man so wow um secure stewart man that was um that was deep that was, that was probably one of the hardest days of my life man and he wasn't like we wasn't tight tight partners like you were with him chuck you know what i'm saying but you know obviously secure was cool with everybody um one of the yeah. coolest dudes any of us probably ever met, man. And uh, he was really doing his thing and shining. And um, he always had time for you. You know what I'm saying? Always had time for you. Mm-hmm. Um, and that was, uh, I mean, shit, I, man, I, man, I, shit, I cried my ass off that day. That was, that was a rough, rough, rough fucking day, man. Um, yeah. I, Carl, you know, I, I, I also want to pause there and say that, you know, we, we experienced death collectively as a group, all of us, when we lost our Mark other friend, Mark. Yeah. Mark yeah. Stevens Mark, while yeah. we were attending Morehouse College. Exactly. Yeah. I just think about Mark fucking that chick, I forget yeah. her name, when uh, D. Cloud was in the bed sleep all the time. <laughs> Mark, was, like, Mark was so fucking cool, man. Another L.A. dude, man. He was excellent. And then we just, we was like, we, they were missing or something. We, like, we heard it was in trouble. We were trying to find a hospital and all of that. That's before, like, nobody really had cell phones and shit. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like, that was another, that was a crazy night, man. That was another Hubert Hall, first floor brother, class of 94, man. Uh, wow. Uh, yeah, that's true. I was just going to say, you know, I, you know, although my, my parents had not, uh, you know, have, have, are still living, I should say, uh, you know, I had, um, I don't think I've shared this with too many people, but you know, my best friend uh, died, was shot and killed right out of, right when I graduated from law school. And, uh, and then I had um, one of my favorite cousin died on a, in a car accident. And so, uh, and he died probably about six or seven months after my, my best friend was, was shot and killed. And so uh, I just remember just dealing with that and how depressed and I, and I just coming from, I know that I don't deal with death very well. Like I'm, I get that's one thing that I get very emotional with. So I'm really, you know, I really even when I hear when I heard Lou was was hospitalized, or when I hear uh, um, people that I know um, that have died, man, uh, I tear up, man, because I I just I just it's just automatic. It's like I don't have that feeling. No, I just kind of let it go. It it, it kind of for whatever reason. You know, I just turn into a, a bowl of jello, man. And so uh, I know that, you know, when my f- best friend and my cousin were killed, man, 
I know I was depressed for about two or three years after that, man. Mm-hmm. I mean, it, it really took some things out of me. So I can just imagine, you know, preparing myself, you know, when the inevitable comes, you know, with my parents or what have you, and then still be strong for my 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 kids, you know. So um, that's I just wanted to throw that out there, man. I you know that those are the two instances of death where, you know, I just don't. It, it hits me hard, man. Even even you know, uh, any when I, whenever I hear somebody sick or anything like that, man, I just I can't I can't deal with it, man. I can't take it. Imagine, brother. Well, I think the key takeaways from the, the night's episode is basically you got to treasure your parents while you got them. You know what I'm saying? And uh, make that phone call. You know what I'm saying? Reach out. You know, if you're not doing nothing. You know, I can't call my mom right now. I can't. I can't call my dad right now and argue with him about politics and shit. I can't. You know what I'm saying? So take the time while you got them. And the other thing, get help. You know what I'm saying? Go mm-hmm. talk to somebody. Go get some good. Because you know you got to treat your mental health like we talked about in the episode before. It's just like a broken leg, man. You know you can't look at it like too strong or, or it makes you weak. Go get some help. You know what I'm saying? Those are the takeaways. And um, I think honestly, man, we need to. We should dedicate this this episode. To uh to Shakir Stewart and Mark Stevens, you know what I'm saying? Um, we ain't got to do all the pluggers tonight. Everybody know where we are, you know what I'm saying? We'll be back on the next episode, but uh, we're gonna end this on a somber note tonight. Hey KB, I wanna um, we have a checklist of uh, things to do that um, if you haven't gone through this death of a of a parent or even a cousin or a close one, uh, a checklist of things that you have to get done uh, after they die. Uh, we have a, um, a list that's pretty exhaustive on our website that you can go and check that out, um, what needs to be done in, uh, you know, immediately after, a week or two after, in preparation for... Um, um, the send-off, the burial, or um, cremation, whatever the, uh, the end result is going to be. Um, so you can go to the, uh, the house94podcast.com and check out that uh, that list. There'll be a link uh, for that That's checklist. That's what's up. All right, let's go out with the silent close, man. We'll be back for the next episode. Looking forward to seeing you guys next week. All right, man. Peace. All right, peace. That's what's up. Peace, brothers. estate planning, but whether or not you use myself or anyone else, I think the most important thing is, is that make sure that you just don't, you know, just put this off for another day. I think, especially in the Black community, because it's not something that you think is going to affect you right now, uh, we can just put it off for another day, put it off for another day. Put those things in order and everybody, everybody, doesn't matter how old you are, but if you have a family, whether it be kids, grandchildrens, or what have you. It doesn't even matter if you don't have kids. It's important to have 
your financial affairs in order. It's important to have your healthcare affairs in order. It's important so that it doesn't become someone else's burden. And then they up ending up, they end up paying the cost for things that, you know, something that you could have done at minimum cost. So just want to say that while I have the opportunity. So, so Crump, if, if, if someone want to get in contact with you, how, how would a potential client reach out to you? Uh, they can contact me uh, via email, jcrump, J-C-R-U-M-P, at smithgramcrump, all one word, dot com. That's S-M-I-T-H-G-R-A-H-A-M-C-R-U-M-P dot com. Or on our phone numbers are 301-925-2001.